and welcome to another episode of A Dash of Science. I'm your host, Chris. Each week, we share a new topic from STEM and break it down in a way that everyone can understand. So sit back, relax, and enjoy A Dash of Science. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I'm excited to bring you part three of our special four-part series introducing our new co-host, Todd Jackson. In this episode, we talk about Todd's attempt to get into flight test engineering, his personal experience with toxicity in the workplace, and burning bridges. And I'm starting to think because an earlier attempt had been blocked. And uh, in fact, not only had it been blocked, but I did I did some bridge burning, mm. right? When I'm I was shocked, working for it, when shocked. I was work when I was trying to work towards that goal, I actually got in front of a group of flight test engineers. And not only that, but prior to that, I had taken training because again, I, I wasn't afraid to seek out individuals that were in that career field. Mm-hmm. They set me up with this, it was flight test training. It was that initial flight test training for everyone who came into the flight test organization. And it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. They taught us how to write, which is a big thing with uh, the Navy. It's learning how to write test reports, test plans, how to communicate effectively. Test plans, test reports, actual testing. They had. We went to the Naval Test Pilot School, which is a fairly prestigious school that teaches military pilots how to fly their jets and their systems in a manner to collect data right. so that the engineer can get better data. Or if it's a flight test engineer, the flight test engineer knows how to set up their test in order to get the data they need and properly evaluate uh, their systems. Mm-hmm. They had they did an exercise where a F-18 pilot and an E-2, an E-2 is a surveillance or forward air control, an airborne command center, essentially, that helps direct the airspace That's a and warning, gives warnings of certain threats. Different and, version of a U-2? No. The E-2 is actually a different version of a C-2, which is a okay. cargo plane. It's a big, fat, ugly aircraft with propellers and a giant ray dome that... Okay, gotcha, turns, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Yes, yes. What am I thinking of? U-2 became what? So we had a couple of former U2s, but we call them something else. ER2s. That's, ER2s, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. They're still U2s. It's just NASA's. Yeah, I, that's what I was trying, trying to. to yeah. I'm like, why does that sound like? Okay, yeah. now I'm tracking. Got it. Yes. Yes. You know, NASA tries to well, you can't put its own spin have on things. <laughs> a military name on things in NASA because NASA is benevolent and not for military use. Supposedly, <laughs> I, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> I'm also doing air quotes <laughs> because we know this is not right, true. That's why we had Kana <laughs> instead of Predator, right? Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I I remember that there was an exercise with the fighter pilot and the E2 pilot, and they went through their comms, and it was perfect. Like these these were consummate professionals, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking to myself, "This is." This is this is my shit. Like, why don't why am I not working in flight test already? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get out and I I caught the eye of someone who had a background in propulsion like I did. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're a you're an engine. That's what we call people who are in propulsion engine people. 
<laughs> right? She's like, you're an engine guy. Makes sense. And you remind me of me when I was getting into flight test and she did her best to get me there. She got me the opportunity, but, uh, you know, my approach again, very direct, uh, very forceful. And when it wasn't going well, when I had to go back to my organization and lobby to go, the first thing they said was, no, you can't do it. I went back to the person who was looking at prospectively hiring me and I told him, and he's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe what you're doing is causing all this friction. And I thought to myself, surely, I, I knew he knew that my organization was very hostile towards sending people right. to the flight test groups. So I, I thought, well, what is it about me that is making you saying this when you've already acknowledged that it would be difficult? And I immediately, <laughs> I immediately went into attack mode. And I just told him, it's not my, this is not my fault. I can't control whether or not they're going to contact you to uh, initiate right. this rotation. You didn't How create could you, the yeah. culture of that. I was like, <laughs> I, you know, and it, and then I said, furthermore, it's just really hard for me to believe in all of these, all of the um, the promises and the advertisement of this organization, this this agency of wanting people to develop and to see all aspects, I call it total force, to see mm -hmm. all aspects of the Navy when things like this are happening. Right. And then his his boss came in and said, oh, well, you know, I think we've explored this enough, Todd. Ah, <laughs> there's the bridge yes, burning. <laughs> yes. Well, my bridge burning was not done there because I was obviously very mad about that. So I went back to my group, and that's where my mentor, his name is LaShawn, Sean Booth came in and that's where we, that's where that first, that's where our relationship was cemented because he, I told him about it. I shared the email. He's like, you know, I agree with you. Let me know what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And we, we met up what with was, my management. What was his role at the time? LaShawn was a project manager. Okay. Yes. Project manager. Did you know at that time that you were going to be one? I did not. Did you ever want to uh, be one? I had already been a project engineer when I was mm -hmm. at Honeywell, so I felt like I had a, a handle on it. The PMs were foreshadowing there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the PMs were <laughs> from what I saw, like the PMs, they did I, I didn't really understand the role. They mm -hmm. handled the financial aspect yeah. and made decisions, but I wasn't I had my head in the weeds. Mm -hmm. Essentially, I was more about getting that hands-on engineering experience, though. Managing the budget, being what was called a cost account manager, that yeah. was also part of my role. Doing earned value management, also a big Gross. part of my role. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. I was like, well, I will, I will do as little of this as possible yeah. and leave that to the the project manager. So I wasn't really, I wasn't really getting into it the way that yeah. we do we do as PMs at NASA. Did you, was did you catch my comment about yes. what I thought program managers were in the uh, National Academies uh, thing? I probably did. I don't yeah, remember. I, I, so I can't remember what we were talking about. I think they were asking about what you thought your role as a leader is going to be and where mm -hmm. you thought you'd be. 
And I said, in all honesty, for most of the last decade that I've worked as an engineer, I thought the role of a project manager was to make my life more difficult. Oh, as I a remember that. Person. I actually do remember that. I do. I do actually like remember I that now. That was yes. their primary goal was yes. just to make my life hard. <laughs> and if you get a bad one, that is their yeah. that is it their does, primary it, role. It is, that yeah. is what they do. They do make your job harder. Um, so I, I I didn't really think about that. I just thought about the technical aspects of of project engineering which is what i enjoyed mm-hmm. but um in either case he he came with me to the meeting and i remember it was it was very it was me and him and then my development program coordinator and another person in the leadership and we were we were just talking about why I didn't, why I wasn't allowed to do the rotation and why they didn't get back to the flight test organization when the flight test organization reached out to them and how they, you know, they, they had sabotaged my opportunity. And I remember one of them making a very snide comment about, oh, well, no, it, it looks like that opportunity just went away, Todd. It looks like they agreed that <laughs> it, it wasn't. Like that opportunity it just it went looks away. like they agreed that it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the best timing, which only enraged me further. Right. And I remember at the end, of, at the near the end of the meeting, I said, I am a professional and I expect you to return that same professional courtesy to me. Mm-hmm. And then the gentleman told me, oh, Todd, you've just thrown a grenade on the table. You called me unprofessional. I said, no, I did not. (laughs) I said, I expect the same professionalism that I exhibit. And uh, I found out later, LaShawn, he came to me. He's like, he was hot. He's like, he he called him unprofessional. He just laughed. He just laughed. He just laughed. He laughed. Um, So, yes, the bridge burning was not done. I had made... I had not only had I lost the opportunity to do what I wanted, but I made life harder for me in the organization that I was in. <laughs> that's not yes. bridge burning. That, that is, is the entire facility, sir. That's, that's correct. <laughs> that is that's demolition correct. time. I do everything on hard mode. So, so that wasn't great. There was a lot of friction, a lot of a lot of tense moments. But thankfully, I had an advocate. Mm-hmm. And finally, I got out into the human systems engineering, found another advocate. Eventually, he would go, he went into a flight test organization because he was, we were having issues with our supervisor. Our supervisor Mm -hmm. was not the best communicator. And not only that, he wasn't very protective of his people, even within the organization. Like people, there were certain people who were hostile and and toxic Mm -hmm. and he just let them do their thing, more or less look the other way. And it's a if very talk to them, thing yes. I found in industry and in government is yes. the mindset of people that are like that is, oh, well, that's just them. That's just how they are. Correct. And I feel like that's only being talked about now. Very is, little bit. Which like, is shocking to me because in the military, you're, you supposedly have that culture of accountability and responsibility. And if you someone is acting yes if someone is acting in a manner which is not conducive to the entire group mm-hmm. then you correct it yeah and i did see that as you said it's situational i did see that with people who were deficient mm-hmm. with their their presentation or public speaking skills 
they would get them the help mm-hmm. or people who had issues with anger management and weren't connected. Uh, in, in the case of where I worked, uh, there were a lot of Penn State grads, and I noticed that the Penn State grads would look out for other Penn State yeah. grads. Um, and a lot of time, it's the way I always described it is down is not a problem, up's a problem. If you're yes. behaving that way to your subordinates, that's just culture. If yes. you're behaving that way to your superiors, well, then you have a problem, and then we need yes. to get you help. Yes, so. yes, indeed. So those resources were there, and mm-hmm. they were robust, and they were very effective. They were awesome, yeah. in fact. But the people weren't, for whatever reason, the people in my group, they weren't getting it. So it was a very toxic culture. I found out that I was not alone. Many people were having those same experiences, mm-hmm. including my, my mentor, my senpai, as I call him. <laughs> and he left. He got a job in a flight test organization. And, and bring me with you. <laughs> I thought that. I didn't say it, but he, he keyed in on it because... Mm-hmm. I remember I was in a training, and again, this is why I, I love the area. I love the and I loved the the Navy specifically because I was in leadership development program, which the Navy is big on. Mm-hmm. You can either apply to them or they're just opportunities that will come come around often. It's not just one opportunity that comes across every five years, as right. you may know. <laughs> so. I was in this program and I remember we were talking in amongst ourselves in a group about what empowers us to be a leader. And I remember I was I was really down on myself because I thought this is never going to happen. And I, mm-hmm. I just said, no, I don't know. I don't really think that I can be a leader. And Senpai was there and he did what my parents did, essentially told me that was nonsense. <laughs> And that there were plenty of things that I could look to that were qualities of a leader or or there were plenty of examples when I had exhibited leadership. And then the person who was running the leadership training, Mm -hmm. who happened to be a black woman, caught me during a break, pulled me to the side and said, you know, I don't ever want to see that from you again. Um, It was a better version of what my parents had told me or an upgraded version of what my parents told me. It was like, you need to, you need to exhibit these qualities. You can't let them see you get down on yourself, especially as a, as a black man, a young Mm -hmm. black man, you've got to be able to push through that adversity and rely on your confidence and your strengths to um, exhibit leadership. And when you can, do it when you when you have the opportunity for leadership you need to show it but you can't you can't be negative like this you can't get down on yourself which bj i remember her name <laughs> bj she even gave us our her email it was like gmail.com <laughs> which we're gonna yeah, edit that out <laughs> <laughs> yes you should edit that out everybody's gonna email that <laughs> yes i'll beep it out <laughs> yeah, there you go there you go um so so again like when I think to formative experiences, that's why I hold the Navy in such high esteem. I mean, even if my professional or, or the people I directly reported to weren't showing those skills, there were there were a ton of people around me and a mm-hmm. ton of opportunities for me to see that leadership exhibited. Yeah, And I really grew as a, a person and as an engineer because of all the, the 
hands-on technical stuff I got to do, the systems integration work I got to do. I just got to understand how engineering as a whole can help support an organization or individuals right. to perform their mission or perform their goals. Anyway, I got into flight tests eventually. Um, was there for a year. Was starting to think about whether or not I could work for NASA because that was something I wanted to do. When did that start? When did the idea of, of NASA really kind of become a thing? It's a great question. I thought about it in college, but I didn't really know what NASA was. I thought it was just the space shuttle. Yeah, that's not an and uncommon thought. I didn't know. I learned, actually later, I learned about the, it was them crashing a, what was it, a 707 in the oh, desert? Oh, fuel burn? That yeah, one? yeah, in the desert. I thought that was really cool. I didn't, I had no concept of Dryden or Armstrong. I yeah. just thought that was NASA. And then I learned about the Impact Dynamics Lab at Langley mm -hmm. in college. And I just so happened just to... Don't feel bad, by the way. Half of NASA doesn't have a concept of Dryden or Armstrong, so you're fine. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I know this now. <laughs> I did not know that then. Uh, but... I also, it just so happened, I had a, a classmate of mine, her mother, and I didn't know that she was her mother, but her mother presented to our Nesby group, mm -hmm. and it turns out that she used to work at NASA. And not only that, I, I found out later that she was, she used to work with my, my godfather, who also was at NASA, NASA Marshall. And I just started asking her when I was a senior, in college about it and what I would have to do to get to NASA. And she told me, um, but still I thought to myself, yeah, my GPA is not high enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't, I can't do it at this time. Yeah. It's not for me. And I, I, I just pushed that out of my mind. Right. I, I went into industry and then eventually I got onto the civil service. But at that point I was confident. I, the Navy had helped me develop my mm -hmm. professional, my technical skills as well as my leadership skills. I felt pretty confident that I yeah. could work for NASA, uh, particularly the NASA group or the NASA center, Dryden at the time, mm -hmm. that operated F-18s because I was you knew that I was a world, flight right? test engineer yeah. working on F-18s at the time, so I knew the aircraft. I started applying, and uh, one of the skills that I had picked up from the Navy was if you're interested in a position, email the point of contact about it, and if you can email other people that are in the organization who can maybe give you some insight into Why didn't I get an email from you? Day to day. <laughs> Chris, I didn't know I'm who you were. the internet. I didn't know who you were. <laughs> Sorry. You you may be over the internet now, but you, you weren't <laughs> you were back then. <laughs> you weren't back then. So I, I looked at, I looked at the job description and also I had, a, I had a mentor who worked in HR Mm -hmm. He showed me how to fill out a USA Jobs resume. Is that which, Brian? Or Brian, you mean back in... At back at, back yeah. at... Yeah, back in the Navy. Mr. Fair. Fred Fair. In fact, I still... Mr. Fair sends me emails, inspirational email or inspirational texts every morning. Yeah. So he showed I me... I must have like a personality <laughs> deficiency because I do not make relationships <laughs> like that. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like at an individual level outside of work. But I can't... Like, yeah, no, I'm envious, Todd. I'm envious. I, I For somebody like... who birds bridges as uh, <laughs> delicately and uh, well as you do, you make I'm some amazing... I'm a man amazing... of extremes. I'm a man of extremes. When I'm loyal, I'm loyal, as you can see. <laughs> yes. But if I don't like you, it, again, well, I'd say I, I've worked on it. 
and it's not as bad now, but if I don't like you, I need you to know that I don't like you. <laughs> I need you to know. <laughs> I need you to know. I need you to understand that I don't like you. I may not be able I may not be able to to get revenge or to have an impact on what you do, but at the very least you will know that I yeah. made an effort. <laughs> <laughs> made an effort to make some type of impact on you. All I got is just this vision of just like you passing a note to somebody and then you open it and say, I hate you. Yeah, no, no, it's, I mean, it's kind of like that. I When I talk about the, the manager I had in human systems, I remember as I was leaving, he decided to give me a bad performance review. And in mm-hmm. fact, the person I was working for who was on his level, but he, was, he wasn't managing me, he had given me a great review. Mm-hmm. And my manager used that review to say, oh, yes, he got a great review, but he's deficient in all of these other areas. Oh, wow. I I made it a point. And I had already left the organization at this mm-hmm. point, so I could have just let it go. But no, I wasn't thinking, no. You yeah, I, <laughs> a rational person <laughs> would think, you know what? I've moved I'm on. Gone. I've I'm going to let thing. it go. Yeah. But... I thought I need to punch this dude verbally, right? figuratively, in the mouth. So I went back through all my emails where he had either falsely accused me of not showing up or had made a mistake when he was referring to something that I did. And I compiled all of this and then I wrote up a rebuttal to his report And I sent it not just to him, but to the deputy director, (laughs) to the staff manager, and some other people, right? And um, I did that. And in addition, I asked to speak to the SES of that organization that I had just left. SES, Senior Executive Service. Yes. guys on top. The general, are, the civilian yes. equivalents of generals. Yes. yes, yes, yes. The civil service equivalent of a general. I, I spoke to the SES, and he's like, the first thing he said was, "Oh yeah, it seemed like your review didn't work out for you." I was like, "You <laughs> that opportunity just went away." <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity for revenge did not go away, and I just told him, like, "Well, you know, I'm." thankful that I don't work for your organization or someone like you anymore, mm-hmm. which again, if I had, if I had aspirations of continuing in that group, that would have, those would have gone away. You're but brave. Still. <laughs> I, I, you are brave because even not going back to the group, as, as we both know, the aeronautics it's, is it's not small. a large group of people. I hadn't realized that yes. yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't realized that yet. So I was still thinking, you know what? I am in FU mode. You're going to at least know that I am displeased with what you told me. Mm -hmm. So I I just let him know. I was like, hey, you know, it looks like moving on was the right decision. (laughs) And then I told him if if, if, if you're not willing to change the review or even consider things, then why are we talking? Yeah. And I I hung up on him. Yeah. (laughs) That is a way to handle that. Mind you, I did ask you this question. How many government agencies have you in a file that says do not (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. 
Well, I, I, what I'll say is that I have, I have left as many good. I'm a man of extremes, so I've left yeah. as many good impressions as I have negative impressions. So while maybe one component sure does not like me and probably would not let me come back. There well, are others and, that will. And those people are probably not still in those positions. Those are old yes. people. And it sounds like it's legitimately only the people, like anywhere is anywhere. There are bad bosses everywhere, yes. right? And some people take it and some people just leave and some people fight it. And you're yes. a fighter. That's correct. And there's not nothing inherently wrong with that. And well, I think that the people that you are fighting are of a character that you're probably not the only one. Right? Yes, so. that's true. But I also learned that it, it does come at a cost. Mm-hmm. People do notice. I really, I used to think that when I did that stuff, it happened in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But I remember after that specific incident, as I was leaving PAX, my, I went back and the deputy director, who was someone that I held in very high esteem, mm-hmm. someone who had covered for me when I had gotten out of my lane or flew too close to the sun, mm-hmm. Because I had a, a predilection for parking in the 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 high level leadership spots that were at the front of the building. Oh Todd! <laughs> oh Todd! <laughs> I remember one time I got summoned. <laughs> like they, I didn't think like, oh yes, I had to register my vehicle and license plate with the base. Of course, they'd be able to find it out. And I got an email from one of them saying, "Please come see me as soon as possible." Well, thankfully, this deputy director, she stepped in and she just came. She had me come to her office and said, your your parking habits are out of control. What I have <laughs> to ask, why, Todd? Was it a conscious? Was it was it a rebellious thing? Like I was. Yes. You know, you know, I, I was I was I was rebelling against the, the hierarchy. Yeah. And plus the parking lot situation was something that everyone complained about, uh-huh. even if you came in. Even if you came in at seven o'clock, which is fairly early, you were either parking all the way at the end of this huge parking lot or you couldn't park there at all. You had to go park across the street. People were parking at the little islands with the trees mm-hmm. and the curbs. It was ridiculous. Meanwhile, the the high level leadership, they've got these designated spots and they're coming and going as they please. Mm-hmm. Like I'd say half the time. Their spots were wide open. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, that's a parking spot. And plus, they'll never find out who I am. <laughs> it's not like yes. I've registered my car with, correct. <laughs> with the military base. That's correct. That is, that, is, that is absolutely correct. So I, I, just, I just did it. I was like, you know what? Consequences be damned. I need to park. I'm going to do it. And... We know what the results were. Sure. And she told me, she's like, your parking, your parking is out of control. You can't park in those spots. I'm covering for you now. And I'm going to ask that you stop doing it. So I did stop doing it for a time. But, you know, when I left, when I left the organization, I, I had a new car. Yeah. And I didn't have to register. <laughs> they stopped. They stopped requiring you to register yeah. your car to, with the base. So anytime I visited that building, if all the parking lots were full and the high level leadership <laughs> spots were open. So I'm going to, I'm going to make parking. a parallel for you <laughs> and you're not going to like it. And I find it hilarious. My boss mm-hmm. does that. 
the yeah, other day. You're right. I don't like that. The other day, <laughs> I had to go on ride with him up to the Air Force side uh, mm-hmm. for airfield management. <laughs> and uh, we walk out, and he just walks right there, and he's parked right there. He's like, man, nobody's ever parked here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I just like, huh, you know, but this is the same guy that was traveling like 80 miles per hour on the dry lake bed yes, without like, getting permission. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. He likes to. I mean, you know, there is a spectrum of people who like to bend the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, some people do it as a, a matter of exacting justice. Other people do it just because they can. Mm-hmm. I would say I would do it for both reasons. Yeah. So. There are some similarities. With, yeah, there are some as much as I don't like to admit it. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, she 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 gave me top cover, and again, I remember when I left, when I finally left PAX after after some time, after about a year in flight test, she told me, you know, be mindful of your actions and how you come across to people. Do you just find yourself a high-level guardian <laughs> angel wherever you're at? I'm, just, I'm very, seeing yes, some parallels yeah, here. I just, <laughs> well, not to not to brag, but I do I do my job. Mm-hmm. I, I make sure that I am highly performing, and of course I network. And yeah. I not just that I make sure I have the the visibility, mm-hmm. um, not just in the controversial <laughs> sense, but also from a standpoint of. He gets his work done. He's willing. He's ambitious. He's yeah. willing to take on assignments. And I've always had, I, I clash with leadership. Mm-hmm. That's always been something that I've done, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately. And direct leadership. Uh, yes, direct, direct leadership. And that has, people like that, even, even if they don't admit it, uh, a lot of people in the what I'll call the rank and file, they see that and they admire that, even if they wouldn't do it themselves. Sure, they, you know, they'll, they'll come aside. You've you've experienced that people mm-hmm. come inside and say, "Oh yeah, I'm glad you said that." Yeah. Or I thought that too. I just didn't want to say it. I don't. I don't have that problem. Yeah. And maybe it stems back to. So let me ask you this question: mm-hmm. Is it because you're not scared of the consequences, or is it because in that moment you're not thinking of consequences? I think it is both. Sometimes I'm not scared of the consequences because I know I have backup. Right. And other times I'm just not thinking. It's just. Mm-hmm. It's just. I'm. I want to make sure that you know how I feel about you right sure. now, and I don't. I don't really care if there are negative consequences yeah. to it. And uh, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a gift and a curse, right? Because people like to see it, and that gets me what I'll call street cred right. with the rank and file. And I've always had a good relationship with the people that yeah. are at my level and below. I, they, they see that I'm willing to speak up when I think something is wrong. Right. And more importantly, for better or worse, because my parents always tell me not to do it. I will be the voice of somebody else if mm-hmm. they don't want to express themselves. I've been burned. I've been burned unfortunately quite often nope. by that, but I'll still do it because I, I think it's valuable and too many I've read too many stories True. of organizational dysfunction or something that's led to people getting killed or hurt right. or or any other type of mishap or disaster because no one was willing to speak up. People right. had concerns, but no one was willing to speak up or they had concerns and there wasn't someone with heard. the right, 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 right voice or yeah. um, 
the right type of authority or clout mm -hmm. to advocate for those positions. Yeah. So I and, read those stories. And, and in that's all honesty, why. In, along with that, we talked a lot about the kind of interpersonal aspects of how that's come up in your. But on the other side of the technical aspects, we have at NASA and at, in industry, you have processes and procedures that are supposed to be developed to make things safe, fast, cheap, effective. Yes. But those things are not meant to be and should not be set in stone. Right. We have waivers. We have yes. procedural ways to go around it. And also they need to be reviewed and updated. Yep. And I feel like humans get in this tendency to be traditional and process based or and resistant I, I to change. Yes. And so, <laughs> like, no, this is our process and this is how we do it. It doesn't seem to matter that process was developed in 1960 and there's been some changes since then. Right. So I feel like we need people like you who will challenge in those ways too, sometimes energetically. <laughs> In order to get some some high level notice on this area that, yeah, maybe this part does need to change. So yeah. I, I think it brings value in a lot of ways. But you're right. There's, there's good it. and bad. And But what, back to what you're saying, I think there's safety and comfort mm -hmm. in those processes. Yeah. It's a defined way of doing things. And when that's challenged yeah. and you have to do something new, the prospect of having to do that is... I won't say it's terrifying, but it's something people, sure. it makes people uncomfortable. Well, it's a safety net, too. Yes. If you mess up and you followed the process, you messed up and the process is there and you followed it, so you're fine. When you go outside of that process and you mess up, well, then the process is used as a as a sledgehammer to put you back in place, right? Yes. So there, there's <laughs> that side of it, too. That's, that's a great point. So the deputy director, she was just telling me, hey, you know, one, you're black dude. Mm -hmm. There's a stereotype of the angry black dude. And I want to tell her, like, I, I am angry. <laughs> but but I, I just I just listened and I, I thanked her for the advice. And it's just something I, I keep in my head. It's I, I can't always suppress <laughs> right. who I am and my aggressive nature. Mm -hmm. But it is something that I'm better at moderating now. Right. I really appreciated her telling me that because I, I knew that came from a place of love and, right. and she she actually Your best cared for me from her perspective yes yes yeah. and again as i said I, I had a good relationship with the the rank and file she saw that i advocated for people mm -hmm. uh, when i could when i was talking to her um and then also she she was involved in community organizations and she saw that i was involved in those too and those those things really uh have come to help me just in life situations, not just professional, but personal situations. I remember I lost my phone and actually I hadn't lost it. It was a flip phone in the age of smartphones. Smartphones were starting to proliferate mm -hmm. and I had a $30 bill for Verizon and I was not willing to give that up for a, a sure. smartphone with the data plan. Yep. And I remember the springs for the flip phone, the, the hinge component actually ended up just falling out one day. <laughs> the phone <laughs> just broke in half. <laughs> and, and I was at Verizon trying to get another phone, and they're like, no, we don't have we don't any more phones. <laughs> they, they do now. They do now. They're back. But yes, there, they're was, back in there Vogue. was quite a while where they're they did back not have them. We, we, all we've got is a, are the smartphones, and we don't have any in stock. This, is, this was the disadvantage of living in a remote area, mm -hmm. as, as I do now. Right. Or, well, Maybe not anymore, but <laughs> I, I wasn't going Ish. to get a smart. I was not going to get a smartphone in time to have, or I wasn't going to get it instantaneously on right. demand as, as soon as I got there. 
And I just so happened to run into somebody who I knew, who knew me at work, but also through the, the community service I was doing at the time. I was um, running a robotics, a robotics team. Mm-hmm. And she saw me and I just I was just telling her, yeah, it's, it's not a great day. My phone, <laughs> my phone has has uh, fallen apart mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be able to get a replacement right away. I'm going to be without a phone. And she said, oh, yeah, you know, I think it's such a great thing that you do for the kids. And she said, I actually I have a spare phone and we can see if Verizon will activate it. And they did. Oh, wow. So again, it's it's you know it's the street cred, right? The the credibility that I got from outside of work that that helped me out in that situation and has helped me out uh, in work situations. They need to figure that out. Nobody knows what I do outside of work at work, like you and David. You do rocket stuff, which is I do right rocket up, stuff. I do all sorts of stuff. You gotta, like, you gotta. Yeah. You, well, when they have those STEM days, you gotta bring people in. You gotta volunteer for it and say, hey. Yeah, you know, I'm willing to do this. You know, for four years straight, I ran the Rocketry Challenge launches at the elementary school on base. Got permission (laughs) from from our former branch chief to do that, paid for by NASA, and yet still, nobody had any idea of the things, any of the things that I do. You got to start drumming up your own press, man. Talk to the press office. Tell them to come along. Talk I've to only David. really started to grasp that concept. So here's a funny story. Mm-hmm. We're learning about you, but there's mm-hmm. a little bit about me because I'm doing the next program. And I was just kind of going over one of those assessments. And they talked about one of the things for me is that I scored low on humility. And I'm like, that's huh? a bit shocking. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And it says like, yeah, you really like to be acknowledged for the work that you do and you're comfortable receiving accolades. And I'm like, none of these things. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought that that was really interesting. And my the only thing that I can come up with is there's that very, very unique situation that I was dealing with at the time coming from our former organization to the new one Mm -hmm. with that that was really affecting my mental state about the time that I was taking the assessment. And so I'm thinking that like really came through Ah. during that, that timeframe, but situational. Yeah. But the point being is I've always just done what I've done because I enjoy it Mm -hmm. and it's never been whatever. And it was only, like I said, I've been a little over 10 years now at NASA and it's only been this last year that I'm realizing not only is it good for me for people to know the stuff mm-hmm. that I do, but it's also good for the stuff that I'm doing because there's overlap, right? And so I've I've started to try and figure out how to be better at that. So maybe you can mentor me in that, Todd. And then we we well, we've talked about this before. What are what do people ask for when you give them your resume or, or when you're talking about yourself for mm-hmm. jobs? Have you won any awards? Yeah. Right. So what we do in the shadows is great, and I follow that perspective as well. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a good Futurama episode. I think it was called Godfellows. It's mm-hmm. where Bender becomes essentially has a entire like I think it was a colony of bacteria first, and then it turns into a fully right. fledged society, and they go to war, and then he just finds this interstellar body that starts talking to him, and it says tells Bender that. The, the body is God and Bender starts talking about how he couldn't 
couldn't save the society that had <laughs> grown on him. And God's talking about having a, a light touch. And then he says, when you do things right, people don't know that you've done anything at all. Mm-hmm. And that's like that really resonated with me. And right. that's what I try to do. Like I, I try to, to stay in the shadows. But again, if you want to get into a position where you have even more influence right. and the ability to help more people, yeah. you've got to have that visibility. You have to advocate so, for yourself and you have yes. to people have to be aware if you have any sort of ambition or drive past a certain point, because everybody, everybody that you are competing with, with has is that making same. damn sure that people know what they're doing. Exactly. And really something that I'm learning now. Yes. So, yes, exactly. So you can do both. That's that's the thing. Like you can I do I do stuff outside of work mm-hmm. that's STEM related. Right. I'm involved with Nesby and what's called Nesby Junior. Mm-hmm. And then I also do the stuff with NASA through the NASA STEM organization that I enjoy, but will get me publicity and visibility mm-hmm. to to point to on my resume. Yeah. So you can you can merge both. It's just a, a matter of figuring out how what you're passionate about can apply to what you're doing at work. Right. And NASA, for all for all of my complaints about (laughs) the way NASA does things, I will say their STEM outreach is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It is well, maybe not well organized, but definitely well thought out. Mm -hmm. And it is a great avenue for people who want to exercise that component of their of their career sure. or, or of their their personality, the the outreach, and it's all something that is advocated by the organization. And it's effective. It is probably one effective. of the most effective PR machines. In the entire world. Like if you think about it, like there's the Artemis stuff that's happened. It's kind Mm -hmm. of a big deal. But before that, like we still run off of the prestige from the 60s and the 70s. That is correct. Everybody in the world knows who NASA is. Everybody knows the logo. And I feel like if we could take the success of that part of NASA and put that towards some of the other things that we were doing, it'd be phenomenal. I agree 100%, mm-hmm. and hopefully one day that happens. <laughs> we need to get ourselves into yes. leadership positions. Indeed. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be in high-level leadership, NASA. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm putting that out there right now. I, I appreciate your... Someday. I appreciate your belief in that, mm-hmm. and perhaps... I'm foreshadowing. <laughs> and perhaps... Self-actuating. But... <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy. (laughs) Okay, Laszlo. So, yes. No, I was, I was, again, going to the flight test organization. That was, that was a fantastic opportunity. Not only did I go there, but I I went there highly recommended. People expected me to perform Mm -hmm. and I did. I was getting good accolades. I was getting great experiences. I was going into an anechoic chamber. I got qualified to operate non, non-flight related hardware in the aircraft. So mm. I'm sitting in the back seat and operate the systems. I got ejection seat qualified, which was really fun. 
We you have to, to actually eject. No, that, that's too bad. That is a safety hazard. <laughs> that I feel like that is a lawsuit. You got to learn by that doing. That is a Todd. lawsuit <laughs> waiting to happen. <laughs> waiting to happen. Uh, so I, that was that was it was the culmination of everything that I wanted to do up until that point. And not only that, but people who who knew me and the people who I had worked with in the beginning saw that and congratulated me. They're like, mm-hmm. you did it. You know, you're here. Yeah, You've you're here. It. It's, it's like it was they're like it was very impressive to watch you do that. And again, when you talk about not always being angry or or not having that reputation for burning bridges mm-hmm. Or just being aware, being self-aware, that was something that I wasn't. I wasn't aware that people were watching me. Yeah, right. My assumption was, I work somewhere, I meet people. Maybe you know, maybe we have a relationship. Own little. Maybe we have a relationship out of work, but once that's done, it's done. Like if I see them, of course I'll say hello, and if we have a good enough relationship, we'll stay in touch. Mm -hmm. But that is compartmentalized and it has nothing to do with what I'm doing next. It's not true. When I talked about that experience of seeing an F-18 or being in an F-18 overlooking the Chesapeake while we're doing a test. Mm -hmm. And I, I went back and I told one of my old coworkers about that. And I remember I went to visit my old group and everybody was like, Oh yeah, we heard about that. Mm -hmm. That must've been exciting. I was like, wow. Really? <laughs> so it was like I had no I I had no idea y'all thought of me like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because I wasn't thinking about them. It's just again, it was compartmentalized. Like yeah. I'm doing something else. They're they're doing something else. Never shall the two overlap. Which you know, I I just had that uh, realization like a month ago. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> have always been like we were just talking about like you know doing things shadows, not people knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, I told you about when McBride called me, right? Yes. Yeah, that was it. That was yeah. the moment. He's like, oh, yeah, like you you were working in the range, right, for a yeah. long time. I'm like, hey, you know, I was working in the range. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. So for people listening, McBride was the center director of our center David for McBride. a very, yes. very long time, at least the entire the time that I've been The longest tenured yeah. center director he was the longest tenure. Dryden slash Armstrong. Yeah. So he just retired, was it a year, about a year and a half, two years ago, yeah. somewhere in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's doing some consulting for a company that's actually coming in that I'm working with as a project manager. And so he's trying to help them and he's calling me up to try and do some stuff. But in the middle of that, he like broke up to like talk to me about me, knew who I was, yes. knew where I came from. And I'm like, holy crap, yeah. <laughs> Like people know things. You never know who's <laughs> watching. Yeah. And yep. that's that's when I learned that's when I finally learned that experience, mm-hmm. um, because not just that, it wasn't just people at Pax River it was people who I worked with at Honeywell. Right. They they saw me because I, LinkedIn was in its beginning stages. Mm-hmm. And I had a former coworker reach out to me. It's like, how did you do it? And I just told him, like, this is this is what I did. And then eventually he's like, yeah, you know, he, he moved on from Honeywell. And he's like, I, I really took inspiration from watching you do it. Yeah. And that's an and amazing yeah. feeling when somebody comes to you to ask you how you've done something that you've been struggling to do, <laughs> feeling like like you don't know what you're doing and yes. you finally reach it. And someone else is like, hey, man, can you help me? Can, right. Like, how did you do it? Show me the way. That is the most amazing feeling in the world, I feel like. Yes. Yes, it is. A, it is 
very it, it is very affirming mm-hmm. of the the path you took and you also get an opportunity to help people avoid yeah all of those uh pitfalls that you have encountered yeah i really enjoy very that. good and again that's something i enjoy about nasa stem outreach uh, especially with I, I get to interact you get to interact with k through 12 mm-hmm. college students just Anyone, really, anyone who, who wants to learn more yeah. about the organization is interested in science and engineering, they've got the opportunity to interact with someone uh, from NASA. Yeah. And it's all, again, it's all developed and sponsored by the organization. It's not, and it's not a one-off event like I saw with yep. the DOD, right? It was, we have a certain, we have a STEM day or a STEM week and then it's over. With NASA, it is continuous constant, and yep. supported. And, and there's encouraged. a variety of different yes. programs. That's what I love. What I absolutely love about those things is the opportunity to do what we're doing right now with you, talking about our path. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't realize this, but there isn't a path. There's right. not one way to get somewhere. There's so many different well, there paths is that people a take. Pathway. <laughs> There's a pathway internship, <laughs> yes. But I mean, like my my path to get here is very non-traditional. I've worked not just different areas like you, but different Different industries, industries all the way to get up in here. And so it's very much. And then you talk to other people, you know, where we work and, and they went to high school, they went to college, they got an internship at NASA Dryden. And then now here it is 30 years later and they're still working there. Right. Which is also unique. It is. And it's an amazing thing. So Mm -hmm. I, I find that interesting. And, uh, inspirational to know that there's just so many different ways and there's never a point for the most part in your life where you can't still do it. Yes. And I think that that's what I take from that. Yes. So absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm getting ready to leave PAX and I'm thinking to myself, it's time I can work at NASA. I'm going to do it. And uh, just to jump back again, before I joined the federal government, I read about this story. It was a person at NASA Langley named uh, Bruce, Bruce Fisher. Hmm. Bruce Fisher got to fly in an F, I want to say it was an F-106 Delta Dart. It was either a Delta Dart or a Delta Dagger. Mm-hmm. And he was an engineer and he designed an experiment and components on the aircraft for lightning strikes. So to attract lightning strikes to get data. Mm-hmm. on what happens when a plane flies through So this lightning. is this is a system that is designed to purposely have lightning yes. hit it while flying. Correct. Correct. Okay. To look at what the effects are. I read that article and again, NASA had the public employee directory. Mm-hmm. I found it out and I sent him an email. And I still have, I actually still have this email and it was really cool when I first came to NASA and I was able to email him and say, hey, Remember a decade ago when I emailed you? <laughs> um, Do they remember? Here I am. He said, congratulations. I have no idea if he actually <laughs> no idea. I have the yes. benefit of such a unique last name. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers, remembers. me yeah. or it's my name or somebody else with my name. I right. get that a lot, too. So that yeah. is one one thing I've got going yes. for me. So I emailed him. Long time ago, and I I just asked him same thing I asked the flight test engineer. It's like, how did you get the opportunity to go up in a jet 
and do what you did. And he wrote me back. He's like, hey, you know, you could do this. Look for opportunities. He gave me more. He didn't give me military organizations. He gave me uh, organizations such as the NOAA, mm-hmm. uh, the Coast Guard, which I guess is quasi-military. It's it's part really. of the military. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's it is. I was just throwing shade at the Coast Guard. <laughs> um, as well you should. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a few other places in addition to NASA. And then he just wished me luck. And I remember printing that out and framing it to my uh, my refrigerator at, at my home at the time. But anyway, fast forward back to PAX, working at Nav Air, and I'm thinking to myself, it's time. Like I can I can do it. I'm gonna apply for some positions. I know how to I know how to apply to a USA job billet. I know how to have the correct language and structure in order to get past the automated filters, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And while I was doing that, I contacted a few people, uh, people that I had seen. I had seen their videos. One was CJ Bixby. Um, and the other person was Lori Grendel. I had contacted Lori first because I was just figuring out whether or not I could do it. Like, can I work at NASA? So CJ, CJ Bixby at the time too, was she at the time chief engineer? For I the don't center? know if she was the chief. So she's the chief I, engineer for the center now. Yes. And, it, and before that she might've been, what was she before that? I think she was a branch chief or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then Lori at the time, I think she was just a branch chief, just branch chief. And now she's deputy center director. Correct. Or associate, is it deputy or associate? Yes. So yes, I, I contacted Lori first and I just told her, hey, I just said, I don't know. I, I saw your, your YouTube video and I'm at a bit of a crossroads. Uh, can we talk at some point? And to my shock, she responded. Mm-hmm. And we, we set up a, a time frame. I remember because I was taking a, uh, a class. Uh, it was a UAS class at the Naval Test Pilot School. And during one of my breaks, I finally got in touch with her. And I was just telling her I was conflicted, like I really liked what I was doing, but also felt like I had a good opportunity or a good chance to to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't tell her that at the time I had applied for a position at NASA. I was just trying to understand her experience and um, just get some general career advice. And she gave me great advice. She's like, you know, if you like what you're doing, that's good, but you should think about whether or not you would see yourself in that position a couple of years from now. Mm-hmm. And uh, just talking about being able to, to capitalize on opportunities, right? And then I actually, I applied, when I had applied for the position, um, I had contacted CJ, because I, I think she was, I don't know if she was a focal point, but she had definitely, in, in her YouTube video, she had talked about the, she had talked about a similar position. Mm-hmm. So I just asked her about about that group. It was it was the operations group. Ops engineering group. Ops engineering group. I just asked her about it. Like, hey, what would the day-to-day be like? Is there anything you could share with it? And she emailed me back and she she said, This is what this is what you could expect. Mm-hmm. I did interview, I finally I interviewed for the position. Uh, I did well. I felt very confident about my answers. I, I really liked the interview. Uh, it was very creative. I think they asked me, if you were going to build a shelf on a wall, what would you consider? That was unique. And I, I just liked I liked the, the interaction. And 
it went on and I was always told because again, the Navy was very good at uh, professional development. I was always told, make sure you ask questions about the position, take an interest in what the people who are in your interviewers and what they're doing. And if it goes beyond the allotted time, that's a good, that's a good sign. So that happened. So I was feeling pretty good about it. Uh, You know, I, I I had instituted some humor or injected some humor into it. I had talked about my previous experiences. I felt good about projecting my confidence. And I was, I was fairly certain, you know what, I'm going to get that job if I, if I want it. Mm-hmm. So while I'm doing that, I'm, apply, I'm hedging my bets. So I'm applying to positions with the Navy in, on the West Coast. I applied to the FAA uh, I applied to NOAA, a bunch of different NIST. I had applied to a bunch of different federal mm-hmm. federal agencies, all all positions that I thought were interesting and that I could see myself um, growing and developing in. Do they have uh, like flight test engineer type positions at NOAA? They do. NOAA know operates air- aircraft. I did know that, but I yes. didn't know that they f- they operate. In a test they do, capability, yes. I thought in it was fact, only research NOAA and pilots, NOAA pilots, they get embedded with NASA. Oh, we've had a few with with the Glo- on the Global Hawk program. They've had a few embedded NOAA pilots. Also, for people who don't know, NOAA is also part of the Uniformed Military Officer Corps. Yes, Corps. that's that is true. A lot of people Department, don't know that. In addition to uh, the Indian Health Service. Mm-hmm. Yes. And oh yes, I say yeah, health health the health service has uniform military, which still blows me away. That's all the time we have for this episode. Got questions or feedback? Drop us an email at chris at dashofscience.com or connect with physicist Chris on X. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn under Dash of Science. If you're loving the show, consider showing your support by subscribing and leaving a review. Reviews are one of the best ways to help us grow our show and ensure future content. For those who want to take their support to the next level, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dash of science. Your subscription not only gets you exclusive science swag, but also early access to content and insider info. And for the fashion forward science enthusiast, visit our new merchandise store at tpublic.com slash user slash dash of science. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a fantastic week ahead. And remember, live, learn, build. of science.